Matthew 1, 1 to 17. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez, the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Aminadab. Aminadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon, the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam, the father of Abijah. Abijah, the father of Asa. Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, the father of Jehoram. Jehoram, the father of Uzziah. Uzziah, the father of Jotham. Jotham, the father of Ahaz. Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh. Manasseh, the father of Ammon. Ammon, the father of Josiah. And Josiah, the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel. Shealtiel, the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, the father of Abihud. Abihud, the father of Eliakim. Eliakim, the father of Azor. Azor, the father of Zadok. Zadok, the father of Akim. Akim, the father of Elihud. Elihud, the father of Eleazar. Eleazar, the father of Matan. Matan, the father of Jacob. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. And Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Thus, there were 14 generations in all, from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. Matthew 1. 18 to 25. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, 
which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Matthew 2, 1-12 After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child and his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Well, it's great to have everyone here for Christmas, uh, 22nd of December, so a couple of days before Christmas Day. It's very exciting. And uh, I thought today I would preach on the most strange Bible reading in the whole Christmas service. We did have a very strange reading before, didn't we? Those of you who were at church on time this morning will know what I'm talking about because it was our first Bible reading. The other day I was driving in the car with Ezra and uh, we were listening to the Bible on audiobook. Um, so you can listen to it and you can dial up what passage. So I thought, oh, let's listen to the Christmas story. But we were listening that day to the Gospel of Luke. And Luke has a passage very similar. You know, the... So-and-so is the father of so-and-so is the father of so-and-so is of... And Ezra was like, what is all this about? Well, that's what we had. Our first reading was the reading from Matthew 1. It's called a genealogy. It's a list of names. It's a family history. Now, I just saw the new Star Wars film on Thursday. And in Star Wars, there's a big theme of genealogy. So you'll know from the really ancient films from the late 70s and the early 80s, that um, who is whose father is very, very important to the storyline, isn't it? And so in Empire Strikes Back, Darth Vader says, I am your father. Yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. I just spoiled a 40-year-old... Um, you should have, you've had 40 years to see the film anyway. So, um, and in this new movie, the, the new kind of lead um, hero, Ray, well, who her parents are, is very, very important to the storyline. I won't spoil that one for you. I'll give you time to find out who her family is. Now, genealogies are important because they tell us who we are, um, who our family is, where we've come from. And for those people who don't 
know their parents, maybe they're orphans, and they're brought up by foster parents, finding out their genealogy, their parents and their history is often very, very important to those people. But for those of us who've always known who our uncles and aunts are and our grandparents are, we can take it for granted. And for Matthew, he's written this down for us at the start of his story about Jesus because he's saying who Jesus' genealogy is, is really, really important. And he, when he wrote it down, he wrote it down in um, his language, uh, Greek, um, ancient Greek, and he wrote this word, he said, instead of genealogy, well, he used the Greek word, the genesis of Jesus, the Messiah, where genesis means origin or birth or new beginning. And it's almost like maybe Matthew's saying, um, here's Jesus, here's a new beginning, here's a new birth. And it makes us think of, doesn't it, the first book of the Bible, Genesis. I wonder what Matthew is saying. Perhaps he's saying this, using this word on purpose. Maybe he's saying, here we have a new creation that we should all be paying attention to. Now, I want to let you in on a few secrets about this genealogy, this list of names from Matthew that are very weird. Um, firstly, it says it's the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, and it's a, it's a, it's a family history. But, but see, if you look at the Luke family history, it's kind of different. So uh, Matthew starts in Abraham and goes forward in time to Jesus. Luke starts with Jesus and goes backwards in time all the way to Adam. But also, if you look at the list of names, some are similar between Matthew's list of names and some are different between the Matthew and Luke's list of names. It's like they've got different genealogies. Now, who's correct here? Why would they be different? A second thing that seems to be strange from Matthew's list is he's clearly left out names. He's sort of jumped a few generations, skipped over a few kings here and there. So there's, there's a few differences here. Matthew has 27 generations from David to Joseph, but Luke has 42. Matthew and Luke also disagree on who Joseph's father is. So this is all a bit weird, isn't it? So what's all this about? So the list of, uh, the differences between the list of names in Matthew and Luke is caused by a few things. First of all, Luke traces this lineage through David's son, Nathan. So he takes a different path in the Gospel of Luke. But Matthew chooses to focus on the kings, the royal family, the royal lineage through Solomon. Matthew has left some names out and even spelled names differently to Luke. And that's not very unusual for that time. In fact, you find that people still have been doing that up until very recently. Um, historians will tell you you can read, um, you know, about people writing their own name in different spelling, you know, at various times. Um, Shakespeare was famous for spelling names all over the place, you know. So that's not that strange. And... The other thing about Matthew he's, is he's carefully choosing names in the lineage of Jesus to make a point, to make a point about God and to make a point about Jesus. And it's worth saying that Matthew and Luke, even though they have slightly different names mentioned in the genealogy, it's not based on fiction, it's based on fact. They're choosing names in the family history to make a point, to make a point in their story. And you can do that with your own family. So, for example, if we were to write a history of my life, if someone was to write it one day, um, they might say, so, you know, here's a story about Peter Caroline, 
Claude was the father to John. John was, was the father to Christopher. Christopher was the father to Peter. And Peter was the father to Leo and Ezra. And so on and so on. You could write that. Or you could focus on uh, the women in my family. You could say Peter's mother was Roslyn. Roslyn's mother was Dorothy. And so on and so on. Or you could um, focus on the, the immediate family around me, the wife and the kids and everything. Or you could even say, you know, write a great history of Peter Carroll and the musician if someone was to write that one day. I don't know if that would happen, but let's just say that did happen. Um, you know, you could focus in on the musicians. Peter's mother was an organist and his grandmother was a piano teacher. And, you know, you could bring out that in the, in the family history. Well, this seems to be what Matthew is doing. You could also, actually, I, 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 you've got to be careful doing your family history. Last year, I did do some family history on my um, mother's side. I just did some research and, and I looked up some, some of her family members and discovered that one of the, her uncles was up for assault and <laughs> went to court. This was like a long time ago, bashed up a guy in the, in the pub in the 1930s and it was all there in the newspaper and I found it. So you've got to be careful when you're looking up your family history. These genealogies are what you would call interpreted history. They're based on fact and they're giving us important information about what God is doing in history and who Jesus is. And what this is all about in these list of names, these carefully selected family members of Jesus, are that we're reminded of the promises of God, actually, really quickly. It's Matthew's way of saying, let me just remind you on what God has done through his people, through the ancestors of Jesus, the promises that he's made, and let's just do that quickly in 17 verses, because he's not going to summarise the whole Old Testament, is he? That would be a bit of a slow start to the, the gospel. Promises which have been made to the Israelites um, and have been partially fulfilled, but not completely fulfilled. And it seems to be what Matthew is saying is, the story I'm about to tell you about Jesus well, in him, these promises are fulfilled. And Matthew gives us a bit of a clue about how this works. In verse 1, he says, This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And then in verse 17, he does like a mirror image of that. He says, he says Thus there were 14 generations in all, from Abraham to David, Fought in from David to the exile in Babylon and fought in from the exile to the Messiah. He, he kind of bookends the whole section saying, this is really important, what's going on here. It's symmetrical. And he does another thing that's symmetrical, which is, makes us pay attention. He says that there are 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile in Babylon and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. And he's carefully chosen 14, and we should pay attention. We don't really, really know why, but lots of people have speculated what the significance of the 14 is. It's a multiple of seven. And in the Bible, seven is really important. And perhaps, perhaps, Matthew is saying, we've just had six periods of seven, the kind of perfect God-ordained periods, and now we're having the seventh seven, a uh, seventh of the seven generations into, Je into Jesus, the period of Jesus. We, we can't, I can't prove this, but this is a speculation a lot of people think. Now, what I want to do is just focus in on the promises God made to Abraham. Does anyone know what the three big promises were that God gave to Abraham? Does anyone know? Hands up if anyone knows. Yes. 
We've got our famous star from last week. They'll have the lots of children and this is our family. We'd have lots of children and this would be our family, yep. And there's another one, another one. There's actually two other ones, yep. False alarm. Claudie, yep. Where's Claudie? I can't even see her. Oh, there she is, sorry. That you'll be famous one day. Yep, yep. Or there'd be a, yeah, that's right, yep. A blessing to the nations, that's another one. And, and there's something about land. Does anyone remember the land one? That's it. The land would be yours. Yeah, there'd be a special land. Now, there are these three promises. Now, if you, I'll just recap it. Genesis chapter 12, let me read it to you. The Lord had said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I'll be the, I, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So there's a land promise, a land that I will show you. There's a promise that you'll be a great nation. Yeah, people will know you. And also a spiritual promise that all the families on the earth shall be blessed. And Matthew is pointing to Abraham as an ancestor of this Jesus, the Messiah, and saying, in Jesus, these things are being fulfilled. God promised Abraham a special land where the Israelites could worship God. But Jesus became our true and better promised land where we are rooted and built up, it says in Colossians 2 verse 7. Jesus is our promised possession. He's our inheritance and we are his. He dwells in our hearts, it says in Ephesians 3 verse 17. And one day this, phys this physical earth we live in now will be renewed and we will live forever in the land with Jesus and Messiah. But right now, he lives in us if we believe in him. And we are in him and he is in us. And so Christmas is about celebrating our true inheritance, which is Christ himself. God promised Abraham a great nation. And this was partially fulfilled in Abraham where the Israelites were formed and they became a great people. But Matthew is saying this is completely fulfilled through Jesus Christ who creates a holy nation. If you are a Christian, you're part of Abraham's family, but you're also part of Jesus' family, more importantly. And that is what Christmas is all about. It's about giving God a big family, a new creation, a new, a new nation for the spiritual children of Abraham and Jesus. So that's why it's appropriate on Christmas Day to celebrate with family and to think beyond your nuclear family your mum and your dad and your brothers and sisters and your uncles and aunts, and to think to your brothers and sisters in Christ. And thirdly, God promised Abraham that all the nations of the earth would be blessed through him and through his people. And this started to be true for Abraham and for his people, and you can read about that in the Old Testament. But also the Israelites struggled to, do, to fulfil this and to, to be a blessing to the people. What they needed was a saviour, who could be a true blessing. And Matthew is saying that Jesus is that blessing because he is the substitute for all humanity. He's the one who would be born to a woman, born without sin, born to die. He would courageously carry his cross and die the death you and me deserve. No other offspring of God has done this for us. Jesus is our blessing 
And this is something that we have got to remember the most at Christmas Day. It can be easy to forget this. Um, it can be easy to forget. We can, all we can think about is the presents or the food that we're eating or all the parties we've got to go to or the annoying relatives we've got to hang out with. But Christmas is about blessing, a blessing, being a, God being a blessing to us and Jesus ultimately being that blessing for us. Christmas is not just about the physical blessings of family and presents. These things are a shadow. Jesus is the true blessing. Now, I could go on and talk about all the other promises that are in this list of this genealogy. I could talk about the promises made to King David that his um, kingdom would would never end. And I could talk about how that was fulfilled in Jesus. I could talk about about how God was fulfilling his promise, uh, showing that he was fulfilling his promise to be faithful during Israel's darkest hours. You could, you know, during the exile, that God is still present there. I could talk about the four women, apart from Mary, that are listed in, in the genealogy, who were all Gentiles, who all had scandalous stories and show that Jesus was born to be king and saviour for all people in the world, messy people like you and me, just as God had promised. The thing is, this genealogy sets us up for an exciting story of the life, death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus. This family tree focuses so much importance on the baby Jesus, on who he is, on who God is, and why Jesus' birth is such good news. This is the book of the origin of Jesus Christ. And it's a long way from being a boring history, isn't it? What you once thought was a boring part of the Bible that you skip over when you're doing your Bible reading, you should see as an exciting beginning to the book. It's an artistically crafted theological statement about who God is and who Jesus Christ is. We need this historical list to show that Jesus really is the fulfillment of the promises to Abraham and to David. We need this genealogy to show that the hopes of Israel are fulfilled in the one who is the subject of Matthew's book. And this is a fulfillment that comes at perfect timing. At the end of three segments of time, three fourteens marked by Abraham, David and the Babylonian captivity. And behind this long history, the highs and the lows of Israel, stands the sovereignty of God who works out all things in accordance with his perfect timing. The final reading for today comes from Matthew chapter 2, verse 13 to 23. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realised that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. 
So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea, in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, he will be called a Nazarene. 